I will be continuing part two of the Giver series on giving our time to God, specifically in worship and prayer. Now, I've recently done a series called the Encounter Series, and Tracy taught Thursday on accessing heaven. Um, so this isn't really about your personal, individual prayer life. It's more centered on our giving our time in worship and prayer as a community. Storehouse is a house of prayer. We love to pray. And there are a lot of opportunities for us to pray. And I want to share a bit of my journey through prayer and worship in hopes to strengthen you and encourage you on your journey um, and our journey together as a community in worship and prayer. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you teach us to pray. We ask this morning that you would stir our hearts. You would show us what it means to give ourselves in the place of worship and prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. When we pray and worship together as a community, we get to participate with God in releasing heaven on earth. Now, what's different about praying in community versus praying by myself? Can I release heaven on earth when I go pray with the door closed as Jesus told me to? Yes, you can. But when we come together as a community and we petition together as a community, we invite others into our personal needs and desires and we invite them into the breakthrough that God's going to release over our lives. And we also get to join in together with other people and meet them and see God break through in their lives. Now, there are things that we pray over the city, and I'm talking about personal needs in this, uh, in this particular moment. Um, but, but when we come together as a community, we are joining together in the Holy Spirit in agreement, and we get to rejoice with one another when we see God break in. Luke chapter 11. Jesus' disciples come to him and say, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples to pray. Something interesting about this passage is that they sought Jesus while he was praying. And they asked him to teach them to pray. Now, I'm going to, if time permits, I'll go more through exactly what Jesus is saying there in Luke 11. But my heart is to communicate something even more is that, that Jesus' life inspired those around him to learn to pray in the way he did. That they saw the fruit of his life. And something drew their hearts to learn to pray like they did. Um, a lot of us, I meet a lot of believers who really sincerely want to grow in prayer. They want to grow in experience and consistency in prayer. Uh, most Christians I know believe that they should pray more than they do. <laughs> that's what most of them tell me anyways. Um, how many of them actually start doing it? Um, that's another story. Um, but... Uh, there's, there's something that, that awakens when we look at the life of Jesus that I pray today, even that my own life would take us beyond that dutiful, I should be praying more to, oh, how can, I, how can I pray more and partner with God even more in my life? Um, so the way that we learn to grow in prayer, I found in my life, is to get around people who pray. It's pretty simple. <laughs> We're a house of prayer. We have prayer meetings with people that have been praying for decades. 
Get around these people. <laughs> you see this second row over here? <laughs> That's where the majority of our intercessors um, typically sit. Get around these ladies. They know how to pray. So, my first teachers in prayer. A little bit of my journey. The first person that taught me how to pray was my dad. Nine years old, going to bed late at night with my brother and sister, and my dad teaches us the Lord's Prayer. Just like Jesus taught his disciples. Um, which is incredible because at the time, my dad really wasn't even walking with the Lord and didn't know the Lord. He grew up in a nominally Catholic home. My aunt prefers the term non-practicing Catholic as opposed to nominal, but <laughs> leave that between them and the Lord. Um, but, but my dad taught us this simple prayer that he learned growing up, that the Lord taught his disciples. Um, and I just want to say something, that the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's, it's a starting point. And the Lord's been convicting me about this. That if someone comes up to me and says, Matthew, I want to learn how to pray, I want to give them the Lord's Prayer. Matthew, I, want to, I know the Lord's Prayer. I want to grow in prayer. Well, pray the Lord's Prayer more regularly than you do. <laughs> because it contains a lot. Um, it's not only a model for prayer. It is a prayer um, that, that, uh, that God has invited us to partner with Him in. So, my dad also, as he grew up learning, we would pray for... Um, family members that had gone on to be with the Lord, uh, my granddaddy. And so as a little kid, I'm just kind of laying hold of that. And I'm not only praying for passed away family members, but then as family pets start dying or lifting them up, my dog, Nikki, my aunt's cat. Um, <laughs> and so I'd go home at night, I'm praying the Lord's Prayer, and I'd pray for the cats and the dogs as well. Um, unfortunately, as uh, that list got longer with the pets, you know, <laughs> throughout life. So I just started praying a general prayer um, from, that part, from that point on. Um, but another turning point in my life, as far as taking me to an, another level in prayer, um, was, was in middle school. I started going to St. James Episcopal Church with my mom. And eventually I started finding the 50 to 60-year-old ladies that were on the intercessor team. And I found that that's mostly the case whenever I go somewhere, that it is some praying mamas and grandmamas that have t given their lives to be taught by the Lord how to pray. Um, and they taught me to pray. So I got an intercessory prayer list, which they emailed to xmarvel85 <laughs> at yahoo.com. It's a little bit of an X-Men fan. Still am. My email before that one was Game Freak, <laughs> without the vowels, so it was actually Game Furk. <laughs> and my email before that, my very first email, probably age 10, was Ryu1 million. <laughs> The number one million, because the Ryu from Street Fighter, um, it, a million people apparently had that name. That one million was the only number I could put after the word Ryu that hadn't been taken yet. So, Ryu with a one. 
and six zeros behind it. <laughs> um, if you can't tell, I was a fan of comic books and video games as a child. I came to find out later in life that a number of the games and comic books I was reading was actually opening up all kinds of demonic doors into my life, um, so I had to repent of a number of those things, but um, some of them are still fun and not demonic, hopefully. Lord. But these, these three ladies at St. James Episcopal Church, Tia, Nancy, and Julie, I'm 15, 16 years old, joining the intercessory prayer team, and, and what was also known as the lay Eucharistic ministry team. And what we did with the lay Eucharistic ministry is we took the Eucharist that had been consecrated by the priest and we would take it with us in this little capsule and container and take it to the sick that were uh, not feeling well enough to come to church. So I would hop in the car with one of these sweet ladies and we'd talk about life, we'd talk about the Lord, and they were excited to see this 15-year-old kid coming with them to pray with someone and, and, uh, and give the Eucharist. Um, so I learned, I learned from my dad how to pray. I learned from St. James how to pray for others. Um, fast forward a bit to college. I started attending Baruch Hashem Messianic Synagogue, which is just down the road from here. And not long after I began attending, I found the intercessors. I always do. And most of them were 50 to 60 year old women and beyond. <laughs> I tell you, we had these two ladies. I think one lady was in her 90s. And she would come in and she would sit down and she would just pray. She'd, it was very quietly, but very faith filled and very kind of intense and scary a, little, um, a few times. <laughs> but <laughs> she, she, <laughs> she would sit down and she would say, oh, Matthew, I don't know why the Lord still has me here, but I'm still going to keep praying and serving the Lord while I'm here. So she'd show up to those prayer meetings <laughs> every Saturday. Um, she has since gone on to be with the Lord, but she went her entire life praying. So I learned from, from these ladies. Um, there were a couple of guys there. Um, they were the husbands of these ladies. <laughs> I will say it was uh, a male that led the prayer meeting, um, and so that was encouraging to me to see a couple more guys in there, um, in their 50s and 60s as well. Um, but, uh, but I began to learn to incorporate worship in prayer. They would worship, and they would pray. And friends, these, these 50 to 60-year-old people they would, they would pray in tongues so hard, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Um, some of you have heard this story before. That prayer meeting at Baruch Hashem was the first time I'd seen someone fall out in the Holy Spirit. We're in a circle of people, um, and, and all of us are holding hands and praying, and sweet little Wanda Porterfield, <laughs> I believe in her 70s, said, Matthew, I think you're supposed to pray for me. And so I put my hand on her head, very lightly touch her with my middle finger, and she falls over backwards <laughs> laughing in the Holy Spirit. And that's the first time I had seen that in real life. I stepped back. I thought I had hurt this lady. Um, <laughs> thankfully, the 60-year-olds caught her. Um, 
I'm telling you, the spirit of Caleb, who comes out 80 years old saying, I'm stronger now than when we set out 40 years ago from Egypt. That is the prayer of my life. And that is the prayer over us as we get. May we be stronger in our 80s than we were in our 40s and 20s. Hmm. Something else I learned at Baruch Hashem was how and why to pray for Israel. Israel is very important on the Lord's heart. In fact, I want to take a moment for us to pray for Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the nation of Israel. We thank you for the scattered people of Israel all throughout the nations. And that, Lord, that you sovereignly visited Abraham and you said in your seed all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And we thank you, God, for our Messiah, Jesus, who is a Jew. And it was not enough that he would bring back the lost sheep of Israel. But he would bring back all of the nations to their creator, to their God. And Lord, we do not take lightly this blessing that we have been incorporated into. This olive tree of Israel. And we pray, God, for the remnant in Israel, the praying church, the messianic community. Would you strengthen them with the power of your spirit? I thank you for the believers there that are calling on the name of the Lord. And I ask, God, that you would remove the blindness over the eyes of descendants of Israel that do not know you today. And they would turn back to their Messiah. In Jesus' name, amen. Also in college, I became part of a campus ministry through Trinity Church on Cole Avenue, uptown Dallas. And their head intercessor is another 50-year-old woman. Fiery little woman, 5'4". <laughs> we would get in the prayer meetings before church um, as I started attending there. And she would get down, we're getting down to business, is what she would say. <laughs> A little bit of small talk, but then we're ready to pray. We're ready to pray God's purposes. Um, that woman helped found that church um, and has been an integral part and head intercessor um, ever since. Um, I was encouraged at Trinity Church to also see more men come to the prayer meetings. In my campus ministry at SMU, um, everything we did was centered around corporate prayer. We got in and we would, I learned to pray in tongues. I learned to pray in the spirit um, through that campus ministry, through Trinity Church. And, um, and I learned to pray for the lost. I moved beyond praying for God to touch the hearts of those in need that needed comfort, that needed healing, um, which I still continue to pray and you never depart from that. But something caught my heart at Trinity Church and through our campus ministry to pray for the lost. My friend Kelsey comes up to me in college, my first year, and suggests that we start praying for my lost family members. And I spent most of my time actually wondering why my family was not as zealous for the Lord as I was. <laughs> and it was a novel idea when my friend said, let's pray for your mom and for your family. So we began to pray. We would pray for them together. We'd pray for them in corporate prayer meetings. And then at Trinity Church, we would do a corporate fast twice a year. One week, we'd set off one of the first weeks of the year, seven days, the entire church is fasting and praying. And they'd hand out these little prayer cards. 
And you would put your personal prayer needs, prayers for your church, and then you would pray for family members, you would pray for friends, specifically ones that did not know the Lord. And then in 2006, the Lord spoke to me and said, this is going to be a year of jubilee in your family. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but I began to agree with it in prayer. When we, uh, when we receive a prophetic word from God, when we receive the voice of the Lord, it is so important that we start agreeing with it in prayer. Yeah. That we lay hold of the promise of God, that we release it into the earth as has been spoken in heaven. Yeah. That year, my dad turned 50 years old, um, which 50 years is the year of Jubilee. And then in the middle of the year, or actually that, uh, uh, towards the end in September, within a four to six week period, I saw the majority of my immediate family members all come to the Lord in that one time. <laughs> my sister goes to Trinity Church, comes up to the altar, gives her life to Jesus. A few months later, my dad comes to Baruch Hashem on a Saturday morning with me. We're worshiping. He asked me to go up with him to an altar call. And the associate rabbi, a Jewish believer in Jesus, leads my dad to Messiah. <laughs> I call my mom on the phone that day to tell her about my dad. and They had uh, divorced and she had remarried, telling her that my dad had gotten saved. She is just incredulous. Um, and she's telling me, too, that she and my stepdad at that same day probably around that same hour, got filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, come on, Jesus. <laughs> I learned at Trinity Church to pray for the lost. I learned to pray in the Spirit. I learned to add fasting to my prayer. And when breakthrough came into my life, the people that were agreeing with me rejoiced with me. Yeah. It's so important. When I went to the Every Nation School of Campus Ministry in 2008, that's what Trinity Church was connected with. I spent two months in Nashville, Tennessee. And these, these, uh, these people like to pray. I, I went to a prayer meeting with some of the founders of Every Nation Ministries. I go in there immediately. They are all praying in tongues at the top of their lungs. Um, all men, which was uh, really encouraging to me um, to, to see other men that were uh, valued prayer. <laughs> and I had Pastor Jim sit down on his chair, open his Bible. I think he had like an RC Cola right next to him. <laughs> Just sitting down. <laughs> and then uh, Greg Tipton. That man has one volume, friends. Um, he is never whispering. He's either not talking or he's shouting. So he'd either be <laughs> sitting there silently but when he would start to pray, and I, I mean, the, the room is like really small. So it's like, if you're not used to that kind of intensity, you're just kind of like, there's nowhere to go. Um, <laughs> thankfully, the uh, 50, 60 year old ladies had already taught me a little bit about intense prayer. Um, hallelujah. <laughs> As we come together as a community, we invite others to join in to the places of breakthrough that we need. And they rejoice with us. And we get to rejoice with them. Now, I find it important 
to share not only the blessing of participating in, in joy and breakthrough as we come together and pray, but also the sorrows and the grief and the pain. And I think this is something that's uh, equally important to the Lord to value and share. In 2010, I'm praying for healing for my brother and he passes away. He goes on to be with the Lord. We were praying, we were fasting, we were declaring the word of the Lord. But my brother went on to be with God. And it was so important to me to be around a community that would grieve over that loss with me. We are in a war zone. And I am thankful for the community that came around me over the last days of his life to keep me fighting to the very end. They did not let me relent. But when I suffered loss, they took it as a loss for themselves too. And they were with me to grieve. But some of these same people were those that were standing with me for my brother's salvation that occurred four years earlier. And so we really didn't lose. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? In that community of prayer around me taught me to get back up and to keep praying for healing and to keep pressing in for the breakthrough and to not let a painful grief and loss cause me to draw back to see breakthrough happen still again. Prayer was taken to yet another level in my life. Some of the things I'm sharing with you, by the way, are are not exactly chronological. Some of them overlap. Um, but But a turning point in my prayer life was meeting Tracy Eckert. She and John uh, visited our campus ministry a couple of times. They came and held a prayer rally at SMU um, during, uh, during the 2008 elections. And it was, it was powerful getting around those groups of intercessors, uh, bringing in the call to come and lead worship and prayer on SMU campus Um, It encouraged all of us. Um, But specifically, um, Tracy and John came down to Austin, Texas, when our campus ministry was doing a regional retreat. And she gets up and she is talking about prayer and knowing God and the return of Jesus. (laughs) And so we're listening to um, to this incredible woman share with us about spending hours a day in prayer and knowing the urgency of the hour in which we live. 
And, and I, I love the ministry I was a part of. It was very missions focused, very evangelism focused, very discipleship focused, very spirit filled. I mean, when they led someone to the Lord, they made sure you truly repented, that you truly knew who Jesus was, that you got water baptized and that you got filled with the Holy Spirit all as soon as possible. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> and they believed in prayer and I learned so much in prayer. But it was a challenge to all of us to hear someone take us to another level. And something laid hold of my heart that weekend when Tracy came to preach. And I said, God, I wrote down in my journal, Ephesians 3, 19 and 20, that we may be filled up with all the fullness of God. And I wrote fullness of God down. And I said, God, that's what I want. I want the fullness of God. That's what was awakened to me. And so I met with Tracy Eckert over coffee 10 days later. And I had a lot of questions for her about why she would pray for hours and the return of the Lord and where her theology was on that. But my, the heart of my question was, Tracy, you have something that I want. And I want to know how to get it. In essence, I said, Tracy, teach me to pray. <laughs> And you know what she said to me? Come to the house of prayer. Come to the prayer meetings. And so I drove up to her house on Saturday morning. I think that very weekend. They had worship at 9 a.m. Playing the same 10 to 15 CDs <laughs> in a little bitty living room every single week. And I think they only, the CDs in total only lasted for about a, maybe an hour and a half, two hours or something. I don't remember what it was. Um, but, but before the three-hour slot of prayer was over, it had already started at the beginning. <laughs> and so the latecomers are coming in like, oh, this is so anointed. Well, you know, some of us that came a little earlier are like, oh, it's this CD again, you know. <laughs> so you got to know those songs very well because you heard them twice a week, every week. Um, Praise God, he sent us some live worship. Um, but it was in that little prayer room, that I sat down, and, and it was different um, than any other prayer meeting I'd been in, because I'm telling you, every nation prayer ministry, as you come in, they are shouting in tongues at the moment you step in the door. Um, I came into the house of Zerubbabel, um, which I couldn't even spell, much hardly say, um, and I sat down in this chair, and everyone was just sitting like this. And soaking. And I'm like, what is going on in this prayer meeting? Um, but God began to do something in my heart. He began to minister to me in the place of prayer. And something I learned at the house of Zerubbabel, which is now storehouse, um, is I learned that God loved me. And that prayer was primarily about being with my father. I was an intercessor. I was always finding the intercessors before, but prayer so much became exhausting myself with the needs of others and even my own personal needs. Um, and praying that long prayer list. And, and, and I, I still use prayer lists. They're, they're, they're important. They keep me focused in prayer. Um, but I learned to wait on God. And Tracy gave me a teaching 
on the Song of Solomon by Gary Weintz. And I learned that my love moves the heart of God. Two things that I think take our prayers, fuel that energize our prayer life and take us to the next level is number one is answered prayer, which I had seen years before, seeing breakthrough in family members' lives. Um, is, is prayer is answered and encourages us and we go even harder the next time because it builds our faith and it gives us faith for other people as well. Um, but something that even more, I believe, is knowing that our prayers, that our voice, that our gaze moves the heart of God, of God, of God, the, the creator of the universe. One who made heaven and earth. This will change your life. In addition to growing in, in prayer through coming to prayer meetings, which you'll hear me say a lot. <laughs> You've heard me say a lot in this message. Come to prayer meetings. If you want to learn how to pray, come to prayer meetings. Come and learn how to pray from people who pray. And I'll tell you when those times are in a few moments. Um, but I began to read books on prayer. Brother Lawrence, Practice of the Presence of God. Madame Jean Guyon, Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ. These are my, my two favorite books on prayer um, that I'd recommend to everybody. Um, and I began to read biographies of great men and women of God. A.A. Um, a. Allen. Man, this guy. He, you can still watch him on YouTube. Um, they didn't have YouTube at the time, but he's uh, <laughs> 19... 40s, 50s, tent revivalist was healing people and casting demons out of people on stage, on live TV. <laughs> he was just taking the, the um, kingdom of heaven to a whole new level. Um, John G. Lake, um, and my favorite revivalist of the 20th century, and uh, uh, Heidi Baker, um, um, Mariah Woodworth Etter. These people were powerful and did incredible things in the kingdom of God. And something that is in common with each of these people and what I found to be of all the major um, um, figureheads of renewal and revival throughout history is that they were committed to prayer. Without prayer, the ministries that they had and the power that they walked in would not have existed. And not only were they dedicated to personal prayer, they had personal intercessors and they fostered that culture of prayer within their communities, within their leadership especially. John G. Lake says, the making of my ministry is praying in tongues. And I feel like this is worth saying that God has been highlighting this to me even over the past couple of weeks of the importance of praying in tongues, of praying in the spirit. There's when we pray in tongues, our spirit prays. And we are in alignment with the Holy Spirit who is praying through us when we don't know how to pray. So people come up to me, I don't know how to pray. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in tongues. Well, I don't know how to pray in tongues. Come up after service. We'll lay hands on you so you can get filled with the Holy Spirit and receive a prayer language. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> Praying in tongues. Um, singing in tongues. It's incredible. Um, and write down in your journal if, if the Lord gives you an interpretation. But all of these people prayed, uh, were given to a life of prayer. 
Now, through my affiliation with Storehouse, with the House of Zerubbabel, I became connected to the International House of Prayer, where they pray night and day, 24-7. And if you want to learn how to pray, and you can't make it to one of our prayer meetings, though I encourage you every way possible to come to it, turn on the IHOP web stream where they're praying night and day and learn how to worship and pray. And something I learned through Storehouse and something I learned through IHOP was the importance of mingling worship and prayer together. Friends, before the throne of God in Revelation 4, we have angels and elders, the seraphim, the cherubim, singing praises to God with harps in their hands and bowls of incense beside them. And the harp is the worship and the bowl is the, is the prayers of the saints. And these two rise up together and God is bringing the worship room in heaven down to the earth. And that is this spread of worship and prayer that's going all across the nations right now. Night and day prayer is becoming a priority in the church once again. Something very important I learned at IHOP is the urgency of the hour in which we live. I went to a One Thing conference with a lot of storehouse, Haas people as we were at the time, uh, in 2008, and it was centered on, on the end times and on the book of Revelation. And, and this began to stir in me the hour, the urgency of the hour in which we live as we're approaching the return of the Lord and the deep involvement of the saints in ushering in the return of Christ. And I've taught on the end times here. I've taught on Revelation. I teach it in Encounter Jesus School. And some of you may agree or disagree with me or Mike Bickle on various points. Um, and I, and I want to say this when it comes to eschatology, that es, if your eschatology is in any way causing you to draw back and cower away from what's happening in the world right now and distance yourself from deep involvement in releasing heaven to earth, I would seriously challenge your theology. I'm starting to see Twitter posts right now as the elections are coming and all these things are being tweeted about both candidates that, oh, I hope the rapture comes soon. I hope the rapture comes at the election. And what, what people are saying is, I hope Jesus takes all the Christians out of it so we don't have to deal with this and the world is just left to go to hell and God can judge it. That's what that's saying. And I believe that that eschatology is very destructive that when we have a right thinking about the return of the Lord, I believe that we become even more drawn to say, God, break in. God, break in. God, break in over America. God, break in over our nation. Release your kingdom of heaven on earth, God, in America, in Jesus' name. That's what our eschatology needs to be uh, um, stirring us to do. We want to see and release his kingdom here on earth. Now, well, Matthew, you've taught me a lot about your life in prayer. You've told me some cool stories, but what are some practical things to do for my prayer life? Well, Jesus actually said a lot on prayer, which I'm not going to go into today I'm completely. I highly recommend that you Read the Gospels, read, <laughs> read about Jesus praying. <laughs> he has a lot of really good things to say. Um, 
and a lot of good fruit from his prayer life that you'll see as you read the Gospels. Um, I also want to recommend a book by Andrew Murray called With Christ in the School of Prayer. And he takes the, the sayings of Jesus, what Jesus taught on prayer, and just takes you short chapters um, through one month to, um, to help strengthen and fuel your prayer life. Um, but something I do want to say, Jesus taught us the words to pray. If you find yourself struggling with words to pray, go back to the Lord's Prayer. Go back to our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And something else I want to tell you too that the Lord taught us when we pray is to pray, to pray in secret, to pray to the Father, to pray knowing that the Father loves us and wants to meet our needs, and pray with unforgiveness out of your heart. I did not phrase that properly. <laughs> If you want a really lousy prayer life, follow that advice I just gave. <laughs> Something else Jesus said that is important about praying is to pray with no unforgiveness in your heart. Lord. Forgive Matthew. This, this is funny. I'm being funny right now. I'm not trying to be funny. Um, I'm trying to be helpful. Um, uh, but Jesus, he takes this issue of forgiveness very seriously. So much so that he says, if you do not forgive, your sins will not be forgiven. In the Lord's Prayer, it's forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And I believe that it's no mistake that the following line in that prayer is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Because if there is unforgiveness in your heart, you have taken Satan's bait. To quote John Bevere, his book, Bait of Satan. And he has hooked your mouth like a fish, and he will lead you into all kinds of temptation that you never would have gone into had you released that offense in your heart toward your spouse, toward your friends, toward your pastors, towards the pastors of the church that you left because you were offended. And all the other relationships that have broken down in your life. Forgive them. Bless them. When we pray for our enemies, Jesus doesn't mean, Lord, I pray that they see how wrong they were and <laughs> how terribly they treated me and how sorry they should be. Um, now, I do pray for people if I do, there is legitimately destructive patterns in their life that is hurting other people. But, but praying and blessing our enemies um, is not so that we get vindicated in the matter. It's so that they get delivered of the pain and bondage in their life, and they encounter the Lord, even if they never come and say sorry to us. It's very important in prayer. Closing thoughts. 
and then we'll end. As we give our time together in prayer and worship, we participate with God in releasing heaven on earth. We join in with others in the breakthrough that God wants to release in our city, in individual lives, and we get to join in the breakthrough of other people's lives. We get to share in their joys. We get to share in their sorrows and griefs. So, how do I pray? How do I grow in prayer? Come to prayer meetings. Come to pray. We pray Monday through Thursday at 11 a.m. That little room by the cafe. We pray at 7 p.m. Here there's live worship. We pray before service at 9.15 on Sunday mornings and 6.15 on Thursdays. I think I decided this morning that going into morning prayer before service is probably one of my favorite things about this church. <laughs> you come in, these intercessors, they're, they're waiting on the Lord, but then they're going for it. And you will learn to pray by being around people who pray. And 6 a.m., you early birds, come join Carol, the early morning songbird. Early bird gets the worm. These early birds are knocking out the enemy early. <laughs> so, let's stand. Good, Matthew. <laughs> so I hope you've learned that through this message I've been trying to encourage you to pray and to come to pray together in community, to worship in community. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to, to start us off, I'm going to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Many churches pray this prayer every single Sunday. And I want us to pray it today. So join with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Stay standing. We're going to do some other business with the Lord. We prayed, forgive us as we forgive. So we're going to let Holy Spirit come and search our hearts right now and show us if there's anyone we need to forgive. Just a quick note on forgiveness. It needs to be specific. That as the Holy Spirit highlights someone to truly forgive them, you need to mention their name before the Lord, what they did to hurt or offend you, how it made you feel, hurt, undervalued, unappreciated, shamed, betrayed. And you say, Father, I forgive them. So let's let him search our hearts. Holy Spirit, nothing is hidden from you. You know our hearts better than we do. 
We ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would bring to mind anyone that we need to forgive today. We could get some music playing. So as their faces or their name comes to mind, just quietly mention their name before God. Mention what they did to hurt you. How it made you feel. Say, Father, I forgive them. Do not hold this offense against them, Lord. And now speak blessing over that person. Father, bless them. May they grow in love and knowledge of God. Pray that you would show them your love for them. Show them the abundant life that Jesus has for them. That they would prosper in their destiny and calling in God. When we forgive someone, you can continue praying if, if, you're, if you're not finished, but um, there's often still some residual hurt in our hearts. But what you've done by forgiving and blessing them is you've opened your heart to receive healing from the Lord. So right now, just open your heart to, and ask God, God, come and heal that place of pain. Come and speak truth to my identity right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Okay. I do want to respect what God is doing right now, so continue letting Him minister to you. But one last thing I want to do is if you know that you've been called to be with a call of, of an intercessor, the call of a worshiper, we're all called to do all of those things. And I invite all of you to these prayer meetings and hope as many of you will come, um, even if you haven't received a, any kind of prophetic word or anything in your heart. But those that know said, I know that God has called me to be an intercessor. I know that God has called me to be a worshiper. I would like you to raise your hand right now. A lot of you, okay? Keep your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. Um, those around them, um, if, uh, if, 
if the Lord's still ministering to you, that's, that's fine. You can stay in that place. But um, if you feel like you're finished, come around these people with their hands up um, and we're going to pray for them. Um, and I especially want to encourage you with your hands up, come to our prayer sets, come to our worship sets. Um, whatever your skill level is, just come even and sit in a chair and come and join us. So, Father, we thank you for those that have been called to intercession, to the ministry of intercession, to the ministry of worship. That, God, you would strengthen them right now. You would anoint them. You would teach them to pray. You'd teach them to worship in spirit and in truth. I ask for the practical, natural skill sets in their instruments, in their voices, in their prayers. But, God, that they would also be filled with the spirit and it would be anointed. Help them, God, carve out the time to pray and worship. Refresh and fill their hearts, Abba. In Jesus' name, amen.